What's going on, sports family? It's your favorite two grown-ass men, Mike and Jamal. We're here talking sports with you, sports family. Mike, good morning. Say what up to the sports family. What's up, sports family? We're here to talk to y'all about uh, March Madness, but it doesn't quite feel like March Madness. You know what I'm saying? You know, the with all the one and dones and with the pandemics and teams sitting out because they got, you know, uh, COVID positive test or whatever, like, is this March Madness even going to feel right this year? What you thinking, Jamal? No, no, it, it, it's a no for me. And you know what? The youth will call us, oh, y'all just some old heads. And very well true, okay? <laughs> but what you guys appreciate today, we had a chance to live it. Back in our, our day, man, March Madness was really March Madness. And the madness started before March. Mike, man, man, you talked about this, man. Like the difference between college basketball then, back in the 80s and the 90s, were that we knew all the players. And you could count on a number of colleges and universities to be great, not just good, but great. You're talking about uh, Michigan, Duke, North Carolina, Temple, uh, just to name a few. But like when you fast forward to present day, man, I don't know none of them, <laughs> and, I, and that's not a knock on them. But, Mike, you talked about the one-and-done situation, man. I want you to elaborate on that. Well, I mean, I think, you know, the one-and-done, uh, first of all, I'm never going to say nobody. people shouldn't go after their money, right? So the players are doing what they should be doing. They're marketable. Teams are ready to invest in them. They're ready to give them a job for millions of dollars. So if these cats can go want be one-and-done, more power to them. It just highlights what's broken in college sports and college basketball, particularly the one and done is killing the team because they not getting any continuity. Um, and if you think about it, like you said, we used to know all the players back then. Think about it. there was times where there could be two or three, sometimes five NBA caliber players on one college team. Now you're lucky if you got one NBA college player, you know, on a, on a team, an NBA player. And quite honestly, when I look at the overall landscape of college basketball, I don't know that I feel like there's 20 players around the country that are ready for the NBA, much less on, you know, a couple on the same team. So there may be 10 or 15 players ready to go to the NBA just period in all of college basketball. And that's because you got cats doing the one and done. And the other thing you have is doing, you know, what the LaMelo ball did was go to Europe, play over there for a year or two, and then come back and you're getting paid over there and you get paid over the NBA and you're not going to college and having somebody kind of control your life and you're not getting paid and they're getting millions of dollars off of you. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. You, you know, it's um, and we all know. I, I don't, I don't think it's called a D League anymore. Maybe it is, but the whole reason the NBA created the D League was to offset the fact of these guys' games didn't mature the one year that they were at college, and they weren't really good enough to make it on an NBA team. Now, they may get drafted, but then once they got drafted, it's like, oh, he needs some development. The D stands for development. That, you know, back in the day, you know, guys may have come out early, but if they did, it was one year early. 
they stay to their freshman, their sophomore and junior year. And not only does your game develop, your body develops. And so when these young guys get in there and get abused by these grown men that know the game, now athletically, these young guys have those fresh legs, but these grown men got the bodies to, to combat your fresh legs. So, I mean, it's just when, when I think about the lure of those millions of dollars and you said it best, man, like who are we to say, no, don't go, go get your money, get your money. But at the same time, what do universities and what do you believe uh, college coaches can do to, hey, stop the madness and say, hey, look, we need you at least two, three years here at our university. What can stop that? I mean, I, I think it's it's got to be a realistic approach. First of all, they got to come to the table and say, yes, we're making millions and millions of dollars off of you. Here's how somehow some compensation package needs to be created for these players. Now, I just said there's only maybe 20 in the whole country that should go to the NBA. So it's not like they should be getting paid a ton of money for for the majority of the players. The other thing, too, is we talk about it, them not being physically ready to take the beating of the NBA at 18, 19, 20 years old. But what we don't talk about is being mentally ready, mentally ready for the game and mentally ready for what's coming at you outside of the game. Because you are now a 20-year-old with, let's just call it $10 million. And we know the groupies are, you know, they don't play. Like, there's just so many distractions. There's entourage distractions. There's family distractions. There's no one. Who's helping a 20-year-old prepare for that? So if a college can create some type of program to help, hey, here's all the things you're going to need to be successful as a professional athlete and honestly as a man, you know what I'm saying? And teach them those life skills while still paying them, while giving them an education. I think we talked about it before um, in previous episodes that maybe you get some players to stay longer in college and play if you can offer them not only a scholarship for them, but if they graduate, you offer uh, scholarships for their, their, their children, their future children will always have a scholarship if they choose to go to that university. You know, things like that that could change generational wealth or poverty or whatever, I think would speak to, to some of these kids. To some of them, it's not going to speak to. You know, they come from situations where they need that money now. And so you, though, you're going to always have those one and dones or those guys going to Europe and coming back, but they got to figure out something because the overall quality of the game is horrible. I watched Oklahoma State last night play against Baylor. And the overall quality of the game sucked. But there was probably two players, maybe three on the court that I thought had potential. One of them is the, the freshman of the year. And he's, he's, he's good. He could probably stand in traditional sense. He could probably stand another year in college to develop. But when you look around the rest of the country, there's probably not four other players as good as him. So he's got to go and take the money. You know what I mean? Like it, it, but it, and luckily he has his parents. They were at the game yesterday. So they, they appear to be a family that kind of, you know, has the structure that he would need to be successful in the NBA. Um, But like I said, watching that game last night, it was only because I was bored. 
And I was wanting to see, you know, Florida State play North Carolina. And it was the game prior to that game. Other than that, I would not even turn it on. Um, and when you think about this time of year, North Carolina, nobody's talking about them. Duke, nobody's talking about like the the true blue bloods of college basketball. Nobody's even talking about them. Some of it's because of the pandemic. A lot of it's because of this one and done stuff. Right. And so either you either figure out a way to play in that sandbox or they they're going to have to figure out a way to change the rules. And I think ultimately they change the rules because there's too much money involved. There's too many. The university's got too much money involved. These TV contracts, there's too much money involved. Vegas for March Madness, there's way too much money involved. Like they got to figure it out. Yeah, man. I think you, um, yeah, you, you touched on something earlier. You and I talked about was that um, some of the uh, some of the schools that are were traditionally a, a football school, such as Florida State. Now, Florida State has low key over the last ten years have been working on building a program. And see, and that's what a lot of these schools that were accustomed to being the top dogs, such as Duke and North Carolina, they always had programs. Now they have like, <laughs> now it's like they just have meal plans. The meal plans are just for one year and you're out. <laughs> but, you know, when I think about Florida State and what they're, they've been doing is they're well coached. First and foremost, they are well coached. Um, they're, they're, their head coach is building character. And you said something that was uh, very key and, and and usually does get left out in this conversation is that the mental aspect that uh, uh, Hamilton is building these guys mentality to be fighters, not quitters. Those guys hustle. And when you always know that when Duke played uh, North Carolina, excuse me, Duke played Florida State at, in Tallahassee, they were in for a dogfight. And now when you look at the transition of these top schools, such as Duke and North Carolina, all those schools, now they're bottom feeders. And when you talk about the game of basketball being a team sport, you can't, 105 is not going to win. And I say that to say this is that those smaller universities, when it comes to March Madness, they're no longer the underdogs. So let's get that correct. They are no longer the underdogs. They are at top because basketball is five on five. And those guys have been playing together for at least a minimum of three years. So they have the continuity. They have the chemistry. They may not have the talent that this one player or maybe even two players at North Carolina or Duke or some other major university has. But guess what? They got teammates and they know how to utilize those teammates. Thus them winning the tournament at a much higher level. But, Mike, when I say this, it's almost sad to see this because, you know, I always been a Duke fan for years um, because I loved how they were coached. I love how they play basketball. They, of course, would get the top recruits. But when Coach K a few months back snapped on the uh, student reporter, that that was the beginning of the end. I knew right there. I was like, man, you would never see Coach K do something like that. And he was just like, look what I'm working with. (laughs) And I mean, it was was troublesome and it was kind of low key funny. But like, I I don't know, man, I'm at a loss for this. I I don't just like you. I don't 
there has to be some major draw for me to watch the games now. I don't know any of the players. I'm not ashamed to admit that. I, you know what? Yeah, we know the colors. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, if you think about it, you, like, even if you say, I don't know the players on a specific team, name me the top five potential draft picks for the NBA next year. Um, I can't. You might. Right. Like, that is the thing. Like, if you think about back in the day, you knew, okay, Chris Webber, Grant Hill, you know, Christian Layton or Shaq, you know, Penny Hardaway. Like, you knew in certain years you could rattle off four or five. UNLV had, like, four of them on their team. Michigan had the Fab Five. You know what I mean? Like, you really had, even if you think Kentucky or Memphis, like, all those teams that were stacked that had, like, just not star power, but they had four or five star recruits that you got to see develop, like you said, over two or three years. Um, and, and it really made the quality of that game you know, so much better. Now, it is like, it It, it really, I'm going to say this, and I don't mean no disrespect for anybody that came up through those type of programs, but the quality of college basketball today is what the quality of junior college basketball used to be in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would be, I, 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 yeah, seriously. You know, the, the thing that also stands out to me is is this, is that when it's we, we live in this digital age, social media, social media will never show the grind. They only show the shine. And I, I bring that up is because all of us, not just the, the younger generation, but all of us, we log on our phones and we look at our social media accounts and we see the end result. And these kids see these millions of dollars. And I, I think about uh, one of the examples that I use now, he is still in the NBA, but it kind of counter um, counter rejects the, the um, that notion of, okay, you know what, if, for the guys who don't really have the opportunity to make money right then and there, they have to go to the NBA. Well, Austin Rivers, he, he was a freshman at Duke. You could see this kid's potential. Austin Rivers, man, I always wonder what he would have been if he stayed at least three years at Duke. And so, of course, Austin Rivers, Doc Rivers' son, um, I, think the, um, I think the understanding was that, okay, he, he, he could come out, he would go first round, which he did, all that stuff he did, but everybody said, hey, he should stick around at least another year. So coming out his, his sophomore year, but Austin Rivers, his he, he he was I think he never got past the potential of being really good. It's just kind of like all right now he's just an average NBA player. Now don't get it twisted. You every every person in the NBA they're better than everybody outside of the NBA. I mean they can drop thirty on you easy, easily. <laughs> but it just it just makes me just like wonder. And of course, being a Duke fan, like I hate seeing those really good players leave after a year and everybody could say that for their team. And that's a, that's a great example because, and it's interesting you brought him up. Austin Rivers played at Winter Park high school in Orlando. So I got to see him play a couple of times live um, at high school, dominant at high school. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous, right? Then he gets to do, 
And you see him still doing some of the stuff that he got away with in high school, right? And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. And then he hurried up and went to the NBA. And it was almost like his game missed about two years of transition and growth from high, like, you know, that he needed from high school through college to prepare him for the NBA. Now, granted, he probably has all all the resources that any college kid could have ever had to prepare for the NBA with your father being a head coach, right? Um, But at the same time, what people don't realize is him going to the NBA, whether he went after his freshman year in college or a senior in college, he was going to have a target on his back because you Doc Rivers' son, right? And so you aren't coming out getting the same level of energy from your opponents that other rookies are getting because you Doc Rivers' son. If you think about Michael Jordan kid, anybody went up against Michael Jordan kid, they wanted to toast them so they could say they got them, right? In their mind, they just, they roasted Michael Jordan when they hit a jumper over his son. And so... (laughs) I feel like that kind of stunted Austin's growth because you saw the potential his freshman year. There was like one or two games where he like broke out. You're like, oh, okay, this kid is nice. But then it was like his growth got stunted for, and I honestly think it damaged him for some years. And any other NBA player, while he's a good player, any other NBA player that had the first four years that he had probably is in the D League or on their way out. Yeah. Yeah, very good point. Very good point. And then when you look at the flip side of it, and again, I, I of course, we're going to use the best examples, but it, it, it just what you know, this is the example of when you really want to make it now at the time. This player's game wasn't at Austin Rivers level. But when you look at the transition, look how great this player is now versus where he was your Biggest name out there in the NBA, Steph Curry. Steph Curry was at Davidson, and he stayed. He stayed because he needed to. His game needed to develop. Now he had, you you know what? He was undersized. He was the he was the low man at the uh, totem pole because you know what? He 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 wasn't. His game wasn't there yet. It wasn't NBA ready yet. But Davidson's head coach gave him an opportunity and said, "Hey, look, I can't make you any promises." But I can say that you can play this game. He is one of probably the few or only coach that believed in Steph Curry's game. Steph Curry worked his ass off. And look where it got him. Look where he got him. Steph Curry didn't sleep. He didn't, he didn't sleep on anything. He developed. Steph Curry used to shoot the, the, his jumper from like damn near his hip. Because he didn't have enough power. Yeah, that, like show him how that thing. He used to, he used to yeah, shoot that thing like a fishing, like he was fishing. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, like this kid, you could see some potential. And it's great when you can make those shots in middle school and high school, maybe even junior college. You can't get away with that in the NBA, just like you said. And so what they, coaches, his dad, people that really believed in him and said, hey, you know what? We can help develop him. The rest is on you. But he wouldn't have got an opportunity, let's say, if he got drafted through some miracle in the NBA after, you know, one year or two years at Davidson. And he still shot from his hip and all that. He would have been out of the league. He wouldn't have never he would have been in the D League for 30 days and they would have shipped him out. But because of that, that time and that development in college, playing talent, 
against, you know, talented players. And look what he did. And, guys, I, I, I'm not going to riddle off the stats because I don't remember. I'm old as hell. I don't remember him. But go back and look at uh, Steph Curry's stats and some of his film while he was at Davidson. Um, and, and I mean, it's to me, that's the example of what staying in college can do for your game if you're willing and you're committed to doing it. And guess what? Yeah, that quick money, that few million dollars up front, yeah, it looks appealing. But look at the money and, 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 and you know, all the accolades. Look at all the uh, endorsements that Steph Curry has gotten based on, hey, staying in college and, and developing his game. I know yeah, that like, one's an example, but there's several. And honestly, look at his brother. Yep. Look at his brother. Would his brother be the player he is in the NBA right now if he had left college after two years? Agreed. Nope, he wouldn't. Nobody, nobody can argue that with me. I don't <laughs> care what nobody say. You know, and because for a while he was a fringe NBA player, and yeah. now he's, you know, he's a solid, you know, starter in the league. So, um, yeah, man, they they've got to figure this 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 whole thing out because college basketball is really, it's just not appealing like that anymore. Um, and it's getting to the point where I had only watched college basketball the last couple of years. For in March Madness, now it's getting to the point where I may not even watch it until it gets to like the Elite Eight. <laughs> I, know. I mean, why? Why should I? Yeah, yeah, it, it, you're you're right. You're absolutely right, man. And and you know, sports family, we definitely you know want to we post this on social media. You know, kind of get your your response. You know, it, it's even if the younger younger kids if if the the game isn't up to par for you, like, you know, we definitely want to know that, but um, we had the luxury again of watching Pat Ewing at Georgetown. We had the luxury of watching some ballers. We saw Vince Carter at UNC before he was air Canada, man, watch his games at UNC. We saw Jerry Stackhouse, Jerry Stackhouse. We saw all those players that were dominant in college and transitioned in the NBA just fine. Just like Mike said, some of their games got better in the NBA. So, I mean, like, yeah, it's to to me, it's just, I don't know. We got to do better for the fans. Like we have got, like you guys don't know what you're missing out on. And we had the benefit of seeing it. Um, But you know, Mike, that's it for me, man. I'm just like, I don't know if I can even, you know, stomach, I'd rather, Play Call of Duty. Real talk. I play Call of Duty rather than watch <laughs> college basketball right now. Just saying. Just saying. NCAA, y'all got to do something, man. Y'all got to fix this. This this problem is real. You know what? Do you got a bigger than sports this week? Oh, man. You know what? My bigger than sports, and it's funny. I just pulled this one out of the air. Um, Jamal and I are recording. Uh, right before me and me and my kids get on the road to go on spring break and we're going to see my parents. And since this pandemic has happened, like, our, you know, being able to see my parents who, you know, live up in the panhandle of Florida, it's, it's been minutes here or there or Zoom calls or FaceTime. But, you know, we're going to actually go spend, you know, spend almost a week with them, man. And I'm really looking forward to that. I don't even care if I turn on TV and see any sports like, you know, it's nice to kind of get back um, and spend some time with some family. They both got their vaccines. So 
they're good to go. Like it, it, it is just one of those reliefs that, you know, you've been looking for, for, for a year now. Um, you know, so I'm praying for everybody, hoping, you know, people are getting their vaccines, staying safe and um, starting to maybe see and be around and hug your loved ones and not have to worry about, you know, if they're going to get you sick or you getting them sick. You just um, that that for me right there is kind of icing on the cake for what's already been a great 2021 for me personally already because Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl. If anybody forgot. Um, but yeah, bigger than sports, family, loved ones, everybody stays safe and healthy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I second that. Well, I tell you, sports family, what's bigger for me is this. Everybody talks about your mental health, your physical health, and talking about it isn't going to get it done. Okay. We've had to talk and some of us will fall off the wagon. Uh, get back up, please do it for yourself. Do it for your family, your friends, everybody that cares about you and love you because you're worth it. So if you fall back on that uh, off that horse, get back on it. Um, me personally, I've started back working out, working out and started you know walking in the morning. I feel so much better mentally starting my day out. Work is going to be work. You're going to have all the pressures of life on your shoulders. But guess what? When you can breathe and you're you don't have to worry about taking medication because you're doing the right things. Please do it because you're worth it. So what's bigger than sports is you. You, you're worth it. Hey, well, sports family, that is a wrap. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to holler at you next week, baby. Peace. Peace.